Good to see each of you again this evening. Thank you again for, for having me. Uh, JJ is doing better, Katie, Katie has told me, so that's uh, a wonderful blessing. I'm, I'm thankful that he's over whatever it, whatever it may have been uh, and pray that that continues to be the case. To continue our study tonight of the Lord's deliverance, will you open the word of God again to the second epistle of Peter, chapter 2, and verse 9, where we read, The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations, and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. The Lord does know how to deliver his people, as we saw this morning. He delivered them out of all kinds of temptations, all kinds of trials or, or judgments upon the wicked. We examined Lot and what happened and Sodom and Gomorrah, and how there was uh, Lot and his family were delivered, were brought out prior to judgment falling upon Sodom and Gomorrah. Egypt, how the judgments that were upon the Egyptians' gods, Numbers 33 verse 4 tells us that it was a judgment upon their gods, and ultimately a, a judgment that fell upon the Egyptian people, that it did not fall upon the Israelites. There was, a, there was a line set between them. The Lord made a difference between his people and the wicked. And he always does. Who made us to differ? There's a rhetorical question that Paul asked the Corinthians, and it is the Lord God who made us to differ. Uh, the A in our acronym LEARN stood for away. The good figs that were carried away, captive unto Babylon, that was for their good in Jeremiah chapter 24, before judgment fell upon the Israelites that would not hearken unto the word of God spoken by Jeremiah the prophet. And R for Red Sea, the judgment that fell upon the Egyptians there and that did not fall upon the Israelites. They did not so much as even get wet. Their clothes weren't even damp. But yet they, the Egyptians, were drowned walking in the same path as the Israelites were. And the N Noah and the flood. Noah was not the one being tested. Noah was not the one being tried or proved or judged. It was the wicked of his day. He was a preacher of righteousness and he was delivered, brought out, brought to safety, brought into the ark. You notice in Genesis chapter 7, verse 1, I believe it is, where the Lord says, come into the ark. You tell somebody to come somewhere, you are standing there. The Lord, the Lord was beckoning him to come into the ark with him. He was saved. He was delivered out of the judgment that would fall upon the wicked of his day. The Lord delivers his people out of the trials, out of the judgments that fall upon the wicked. Out of his judgments that fall upon the wicked, he has delivered his people out of them. And we examine just a few of those events. There are others. But today, tonight... There, there is a greater event. There is a greater event that I would like for us to examine. Those are all somewhat isolated. Those were, were specific events for, for uh, in, in many cases, a smaller group of people. But there is one coming that the whole earth will be involved in. Just as, just as Noah, in, in Noah's day, the whole earth was involved, but not in every case 
the Lot's situation, the situation with the Egyptians. Not the whole earth was involved in every situation, but the whole earth, without exaggeration, will be involved in this coming, in this coming judgment. And it is yet future, of which these serve as the example. These serve as the example. This time is known by many names. It is given many names in the scriptures. The Great Tribulation, the time of Jacob's trouble, Daniel's 70th week. We, we know it by, by those names. We will examine this time period and see what the Lord God has told us about this time period. Know this, he has not left us in the dark. He's not left us to guess as to what is going to happen. It, is a, it, it, is, it does take time to study these things out, but it is not so dark and ominous that we can't, that we can't figure it out. We have, we we're told in the scriptures, we've been given the mind of Christ. We have the Holy Spirit who wrote these words. We have, we have uh, the answers to the questions that, that we will seek tonight from the Word of God. First question, what is the great tribulation? What is this, this time of Jacob's trouble or Daniel's 70th week? Let's turn to the gospel according to Matthew, where we'll get it from the Lord Jesus himself. Come to Matthew chapter 24. We'll get just a brief statement from the Lord Jesus here, and we'll go, we'll go to Daniel and the book of the Revelation uh, also to see what else we learn, because this is discussed in many, many places. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 21. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Now much, much of what Jesus teaches in this passage had to do with A.D. 70. This in no way could describe A.D. 70. What happened to Jerusalem? to Israel in AD 70 was, was great, and it was, it, it was a, a horrible thing. But the dropping of the atomic bombs was far greater. Jesus here, I don't think he is exaggerating. The Lord Jesus was not one for much exaggeration. He told the truth. That was what he came to do, to bear witness of the truth. He told, he, he told either Pilate or Herod, I can't remember which one, he said, for this reason have I come into the world to bear witness of the truth. Here... The great tribulation, there will be nothing like it. Nothing like it. From the beginning of the world nor after it will there be anything like the great tribulation. If it wouldn't be shortened, should, should the Lord God not shorten those days, because he will, he is the one who will shorten those days. Nobody would be alive after them. If, he, if the Lord God just let it go, every single person upon the face of the earth would die. That's, that's what the Lord Jesus has said. No flesh would be saved. There would be nobody alive on the earth if the Lord God let it go. That's how bad it will be. A.D. 70 could not be described in that manner. It was a bad time, no doubt, but it is not. That, that cannot describe A.D. 70. The Lord Jesus gives, gives further uh, descriptions of it, but to see from the Old Testament what it is he is referring to, let's come to the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 11. So we get there that, that it is going to be a great, uh, a, a horrible time in the earth. 
Daniel chapter 11 and verse 44. How long does this time last? Daniel chapter 11 and verse 44 and 45, we get an overview of what happens to the beast, the final antichrist. But tidings out of the east and out of the north shall trouble him. Therefore he shall go forth with great fury to destroy and utterly to make away many, to annihilate them. And he shall plant the tabernacles of his palace between the seas and the glorious holy mountain. Yet he shall come to his end and none shall help him. Nobody will be able, nobody will be able to help him. It's the Lord God who brings him to his end. Chapter 12 and, verse, and verses 1 through 3, we'll look at, remember, there's no chapter and verse in the original text. So this is just a continuation. And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince, which standeth for the children of thy people. He's speaking to Daniel. Michael, the archangel, which stands for the people of Israel. And there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. And at that time thy people shall be delivered. Every one that shall be found written in the book. He describes it in a very similar way that the Lord Jesus described it. A horrible time that since nothing, since no nation has been upon the earth will be, will be like this time. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. We're getting still an overview this, is, this isn't uh, in-depth detail. It is an overview of what's going to go on in this time. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. It's still an overview of what is going to happen. The, the great tribulation there is described the same way that the Lord Jesus described it. Verse 6, And one said to the man, clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, How long shall it be to the end of these wonders? How long till the end of this time? And I heard the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, when he held up his right hand and his left hand unto heaven, and swear by him that liveth forever and ever, that it shall be for a time, times, and a half. Remember that statement. It will come up again. That statement is used uh, many times, no pun intended, of this time. And when he shall have accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people, all these things shall be finished. That time, the great tribulation is described here as uh, the duration of it is described as a time and a times and a half. Three times and a half a time. We'll see, we'll see that description again in the book of the Revelation when we get there. Come back to chapter 9 where we see, where we see this described in further detail. This is, this is discussed in many places in the scriptures. So we must get all of the scriptures so that we may have a full view of what is being described. Daniel chapter 9 and verse 24. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins, and to make reconciliation for iniquity, and to bring in everlasting righteousness, and to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore, and understand, that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah the Prince, shall be seven weeks, and threescore, and two weeks. So from the going forth of the commandment 
to rebuild Jerusalem when Cyrus would give that commandment. King Cyrus would give that commandment from that point to the coming of the Messiah, to the coming of the Anointed One, which is, which is Mashiach. The Hebrew behind this is elsewhere translated Anointed One. Here, two times in the book of Daniel, it is rendered Messiah. That is, that is who it's describing. It is describing the Christ. It is describing our Lord Jesus. Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks or seven sevens. It's seven Seven weeks of years. Every day of those weeks is a year. So it would be 49 years from the going of the commandment to the, to the finishing of the building. And then from that point, it would be 62 weeks, three score and two weeks. That would be 434 years from the finishing of the temple to the coming, to the cutting off of Messiah, to the cutting off of the Lord Jesus. And it happened exactly as the Lord God said it. After three score, the street shall be built again in the wall, even in troublous times. And after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off. He shall die. We know that the Lord Jesus died. When did he die? But not for himself. He didn't need to die. There was nothing in him that made him, that made him worthy of death. He didn't need to die for himself. He had to die for us. If he hadn't died, if he hadn't risen as we looked at this morning, our, our, we're, we're yet in our sin. We're lost. There's, there is no Savior. Look here, look here further, verse 26. Not for himself and for the people of the prince that shall come, shall destroy, that is the Antichrist, the prince that shall come, shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. So the city and the sanctuary would be destroyed after Messiah was cut off. When was the city and the sanctuary destroyed? A.D. 70. A.D. It was destroyed in A.D. 70. If Christ is not the Christ, there is no Christ. Because the sanctuary in the city has already been destroyed that Daniel's talking about. Christ is the Christ determined just from this text alone. He is the Christ. He is the one who came before the city and the sanctuary were destroyed. But we continue. And the end thereof shall be with the flood, and unto the end of the war desolations are determined. And he shall confirm the prince that shall come. He shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. So you notice that we had here seven weeks and 62 weeks already described. Those have already been fulfilled just as the Lord God stated them. 483 years has already occurred just as the Lord God stated them. 69 of the weeks have been fulfilled. Now we get to the last week, Daniel's 70th week. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. There is Daniel seven, there's the last week of Daniel's 70 weeks. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation. And that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. In the midst of Daniel's 70th week, will he break that covenant? He makes a seven-year pact. The Antichrist makes a seven-year pact with the people, with Israel, with many. And he breaks it in the midst of that week. And we remember time, times, and a half. That's three, time one, times two. There's three and a half, three and a half. What is half of seven? Three and a half. 
in the midst of the week is when he breaks that covenant, the great tribulation. I know it's taught today that it's seven years. The, great, the first three and a half years is peace. The great tribulation is three and a half years long. It's the last three and a half years that is the great tribulation. Time, times, and a half. 42 months, times, times, and a half of a time. Uh, 1,260 days. The Jews went by a 360-day calendar. You do three and a half times 360 days, you get 1,260 days. We'll see all of this described in the Word of God so that you don't just have my word for it. This whole period, the seven-year period, the last week of Daniel, this, this last seven-year seven period is not, the, enti the, the entirety of it is not the Great Tribulation. It is the latter three and a half years. The first three and a half is a, is a covenant of peace. There's peace, peace, and then swift and sudden destruction comes upon them, as we're told in, in, the, in one of the Thessalonian epistles. So we see there in the midst of the week, he breaks that covenant. Come to the book of the Revelation. Revelation uses the same time frame to describe this event. Speaking of the Great Tribulation, or something that occurs in the Great Tribulation, it describes the Great Tribulation using very similar wording. Now remember, as we've, as we've noted in chapter 1, nothing is too difficult to understand in the book of the Revelation. It, is, it provides, it's the only book of the Bible that gives a specific blessing on him that reads, on him that keeps, on him that hears all the words of this prophecy. It is, it is an understandable book. The Holy Spirit that lives within us is the one who had it written, is the one who gave all the words for it. He is the same one who can enlighten us to the meaning. There's, there is a lot of symbology, and I will grant that. But many times that symbology is, is interpreted in the text for us. The, the seven star, the, the stars and everything that, that Christ is holding in chapter 1, when we get there, it's, it's told to us at the end of that chapter what all of those symbols are. Uh, same, same way in uh, chapter 13 and 17, I believe that there's some symbology in there also. Those were also given the interpretation. The, 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 the scriptures are the best tool to interpret the scriptures. We have, we have no, better, no better tool than the scriptures themselves. Come to chapter 11 of the book of the Revelation. Chapter 11 and verse 2. But the court which is without the temple leave out, and measure it not, for it is given unto the Gentiles, and the holy city shall they tread under foot forty and two months. Forty and two months is three and a half years. Forty and two months will, will at this point in time the Gentiles trodden underfoot the holy temple. That is a time yet future. There is no temple right now. The temple had already been destroyed when this was written. It was speaking of a time yet future. There has not been a temple since this was written. We continue, verse 3, And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days clothed in sackcloth. You do the math, that's 1,260 days. Divide that by 360, you get three and a half years. So even if you go by a 365-day calendar, that's just about three and a half years. It's all talking about the same time frame. The same, the same time frame that Daniel was talking about is the same time frame that, that John is talking about. And it isn't because they had the same ideas. 
it was because they were given the words from the same God. This is the, the God had given the men these words to pin because this is what he desires for his people to know and to understand. The next chapter in verse 6, we'll, 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 get, we'll, get in, we'll start in verse 1 so that we can understand what's being discussed. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she, being with child, cried, travailing in birth, and pain to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. This woman, it's not Mary, and I've heard it described as the church. The, the church did not bring forth the man-child. The man-child is the one who the church is built upon. The man-child, the Lord Jesus Christ, is the one who instituted the church. We did not conceive him. He conceived our, he conceived our institution. This is speaking of Israel. Israel is the woman. Israel is the nation in which Christ was born into. Israel is the one who the, the red dragon, that old serpent, the devil, wanted to destroy. This is a, a summation of all that the devil tried to do before the coming of Christ. He wanted to destroy Israel, to destroy the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ. If he could destroy Israel, the Lord Jesus would never have come into this world. God would never allow that to happen. But that's what his aim was. He is the Lord's devil, and he can only do what the Lord allows him to do. Here, here we see that he wanted, you remember Herod, wanted to kill the Lord Jesus Christ. So he had all the, all the, all the boys uh, uh, in, in that area under the age of two killed because he wanted Jesus to be a part, to be involved in that group. He, wanted, he did not want another king in his, uh, in his realm. He wanted to be the king, the only king. And the woman, Israel, fled into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared of God that they should feed her there. How long? A thousand, two hundred, and threescore days. Twelve hundred and sixty days. Will Israel hide in the wilderness? They will flee. They will flee. They will, they will begin the great tribulation fleeing from the Antichrist, fleeing from, from all that is happening. You can continue to read that passage, but let's skip down to verse 14. And to the woman were, two, were, were given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place, where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the face of the serpent. Same, same way that Daniel described it. Three and a half years, 1,260 days, 40, 40 and two months. Three and a half years, time, time, and again. We see it described in different ways, different, different uh, ways to describe the same amount of time. This is all speaking of the same detail, of the same, this, giving us different details of the same time frame. Verse 12 will help us with our next question. We've seen what, it, what is the Great Tribulation, a horrible time, a horrible time that comes upon the earth. How long it goes, three and a half years. 
then verse 12 will help us with our next question. Therefore, rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Do you know that we're not described as earth dwellers? I think I've, I think I've discussed that before. You'll see in the book of the Revelation, the inhabitants of the earth, those that dwell upon the earth. It's one Greek phrase, earth dwellers. We are not earth dwellers. Here, those that dwell in them, dwell in the heavens, that's us. Even if we are here on the earth, we are still those that dwell in heaven. Christ has caused us to be seated in the heavenly places. While we may be here, we may be living, we may be living a life here. We are, we are strangers and pilgrims on this earth. This world is not our home as we sing, we sing that hymn. We're just passing through. Our home right now is in heaven and is in the new heavens and the new earth that will come in the future. But here, therefore rejoice, ye heavens and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil is come down unto you having great wrath, because he knoweth that, his, that, that he hath but a short time. There will be a time when, when the devil is cast down from heaven, when he is no longer allowed there. You see in the book of Job, the devil had already fallen by the time Job was written. But he is allowed to, to uh, 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 walk. He is allowed to visit, if you will. It is no longer his dominion as the elect angels are, uh, do stay there or go do the Lord's bidding on the earth, but they always go back. The devil does not go back. It is not his home. He will be cast down uh, finally here is what's being described, and he will be full of wrath, angry that he has been finally cast out of heaven. His time will be short, but notice who the woe is pronounced upon. The earth dwellers, those that inhabit the earth and the sea. Who, what is the purpose of the great tribulation? Come back to chapter 6 of the book of the Revelation, and we'll see who it is that's terrified. The ending of chapter 6 gives us insight to who it is that's terrified of the great tribulation. Chapter 6 and verse 16. We'll get verse 15 to see who it is. And the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every free man, hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains, and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us, and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? They are the ones that are terrified. They are the ones that are afraid of God's wrath. Do you know that the Lord Jesus has delivered us from God's wrath? Not only the wrath on our sin, for there, there is proper, proper and due wrath unto our sin. The Lord Jesus took, the brunt, took all of that, not just the brunt, all of it. When he said it, it is finished... He took all, everything that we deserved, fell upon him. He delivered us not only from the wrath that was due to our sin, but the wrath that is to come. Here they say the wrath, uh, the, the day of his great wrath, the, day, the great day of his wrath has come. The Lord Jesus delivered us from the wrath to come. Just so you don't have just, just, just my words for it, we'll, we'll look at it in just a moment. But, but we can infer just from this statement and from the previous message that the Lord God delivers his people 
out of the judgments upon the wicked. But we don't need to just infer it. We have specific teaching upon that very thing. Come to chapter 3 before we go look at where, where the word of God states that the Lord Jesus delivers us from the wrath to come. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 10. Speaking to the faithful church at Philadelphia. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from, ek, out of, as we, as we noted this morning. The Greek preposition ek is also rendered out of the hour of temptation. It's the same word that we looked at in 2 Peter 2.9. Same, same Greek term. Which shall come upon all the world, and here's the purpose, to try. There's the, there's the verb of temptation. To try, to test, to prove them that dwell upon the earth. It is not for the purpose of God's people that the great tribulation comes. We've been saved from the wrath to come. There is no, no reason for God to drop judgment upon us. All of our judgment fell upon the Lord Jesus Christ. The purpose of the great tribulation is to try those that dwell upon the earth, to test them, to judge them. It is a trial for them to endure, not for God's people. Not that there won't be God's people that come out of great, come out of great tribulation. There will be a great multitude of which no man can count. That, that will happen. But they did not go into the great tribulation knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. They were born in they they were born again in the great tribulation. Now who te- who preaches the gospel to them? There's 144,000 Jews that are sealed. There they preach the gospel. There are two heavenly witnesses, there are angels that preach the everlasting gospel. There will be lots of preachers. Lots of God's people teaching his word in the great tribulation. But God's people that know him now will not be here. They will be delivered out of the judgment that is to come upon them that dwell upon the earth. But that's not the only, that's not the only text. Come to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians 1.10, where we see, this is where we see that the Lord Jesus has delivered us from the wrath to come and to wait for his son. This is what... Uh, this is what God has, has, has exhorted us to do from verse 9. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turn, from, turn to God from idols to serve the living and the true God. That is what we have all, that's what has been worked in all of us by God, turning us from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. He delivered us not only from the wrath due to our sin, but for, from the wrath to come. Romans 5.9, just in case there, there, was, there was any doubt, Romans 5.9, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. The day of God's wrath we have been saved from because of the Lord Jesus Christ. The penalty and the power of sin he has delivered us from, he will one day separate us from the presence of that sin. And we are no longer needing to fear the great day of God's wrath because the Lord Jesus delivered us from that very thing. Come to 2 Thessalonians where we see another specific teaching upon 
the Lord God keeping his people out of the great tribulation. 2 Thessalonians in chapter 2 and verse 1. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word, nor by letter as from us, or as if from us, as that, as that the day of Christ is at hand. The, the Thessalonians had gotten some erroneous teaching from some, from some false apostles or, or those who had forged a letter. You'll, you'll note here that he, he states, why would he state as if a letter, as if from us? Because somebody brought in a fake letter written by the Apostle Paul at the end of the Thessalonian, uh, at the end of that epistle, verse 17 of chapter 3, the salutation of Paul with mine own hand. He writes it with his own hand. He, do, he does not typically write his own epistles. He typically has, uh, he, he dictates and Tertius or Timothy or somebody else writes the epistle. But here, he, the epistle to the Galatians is the only one that I know of that he wrote entirely of himself. He says, I have written to you such a large epistle, but it wasn't Romans as much longer. It's because he was nearly blind. He had to write very large to see. Paul wrote it with his hand, and he is angry because of what the Galatians have done. Oh, you foolish Galatians. They, they left so quickly the gospel that he had taught them to another one that is not another. But regardless, I digress. Verse 17, salutation of Paul with mine own hand, which is the token in every epistle. So I write. That epistle, that fake epistle that they had received did not have Paul's salutation. And you'll, you'll see at the end of every epistle of Paul, there is a grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Or grace be with you, something of that manner at the, at the end or towards the end within the last few verses of every epistle of Paul, including Hebrews. Paul, Paul wrote, in, in case you weren't aware, Paul wrote Hebrews. It is, the, it, is the, it is the apostle Paul that the Lord God used to pen that epistle. Here, they had received false teaching that they were in the day of the Lord, that they were in the great tribulation. And Paul says, uh-uh, that's not gonna, that, isn't, that isn't true. We're not in the day of the Lord. Let no man, verse 3, deceive you by any means. For that day, the great day of his wrath, the great tribulation, shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. It's not talking about Judas Iscariot. It's talking about the Antichrist, the beast, the final Antichrist. There, were many, there are many antichrists, those that are opposed to Christ today. John, in 1 John, talks about, one of his epistles talks about that. There are many antichrists now, but there is a final one, the beast, the, the final antichrist that is being spoken of here, the son of perdition, the son of destruction. Notice here, the falling away is the Greek term apostasia. We have taken that term to mean departing from the faith. But the word of God defines its own terms. So before we, before we give it that meaning, let's let the word of God define its own terms. Apostasia. Acts chapter 21 and verse 21. See where, see where else this is used. Acts 21 and verse 21. 
here, Paul is being accused of something. And they are informed of thee that thou teachest all the Jews which are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, saying that they ought not to circumcise their children, neither to walk after the customs. Forsake Moses or depart from the teaching of Moses. There's no... If, if apostasia meant to depart from the faith, there's no need to have Moses here. There, there's no need to have... Uh, any type of faith involved in it. De- apostatize, uh, apostatize from, from what? Depart from what? Moses has to be given as a qualifier. Apostasia does not mean departing from the faith in and of itself. We noted this morning that, uh, that Greek nouns are derived from the verbs. The verbs and nouns have the same meaning. One, one is a verb, one is a noun. We understand that. It's the same way in English. Come to 1 Timothy, where we see the verb, where we see the verb of apostasia used. It is aphistomy. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter days some shall aphistomy from the pistis. If apostasia and epistemy mean depart from the faith in and of themselves, then why does pistis need to be added? It would be depart from the faith from the faith. That makes no sense. And that's why, that's why it is given in this manner, because that's not what those words mean. Those words mean to depart, not to depart from the faith. The falling away is a departure, a departure. Though those here that depart from the faith, they do apostatize, but that is a fistomy from the pistis. They depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. But that is not what's being discussed in Second Thessalonians. The departure. Since it is not a falling away from the faith, it is a departure. What, what departure is in the context of Second Thessalonians chapter 2? Go back to verse 1. Now, I beseech, now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him. That is what this falling away or this departure is speaking of. Our gathering unto our Lord Jesus Christ happens before that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. 2 Thessalonians 2 there makes it abundantly clear, abundantly clear that we will be removed from this earth prior to the Antichrist being revealed prior to the Great Tribulation beginning. I don't know when exactly that is. No man knows the day nor the hour, the Lord Jesus said. But he did then give us, my coming shall be as in the days of Noah. We may know the season. People were, were living and, and marrying and being given in marriage, and they're just going about their lives. And then swift and sudden destruction came upon them, did it not? Nobody listened to what Noah had to say. Nobody listens to what we have to say. Nobody cares about what the Word of God states. We're, we're one day closer than we were yesterday. That is, that is one thing that I do know. We are one day closer to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The departure that's spoken of here is the gathering together 
our gathering together unto the Lord prior to the revealing of the son of perdition, the beast, the true and the final, Antichrist. That will happen during the seven-year period spoken of by Daniel, the judgment that falls upon the earth dwellers. It does not fall upon God's people. It is not, that is not the purpose of the Great Tribulation, just as all of those earthly judgments that we looked at this morning, that God delivered his people out of, all the judgments that fall upon the wicked, God has always delivered his people out of all of them. We have seen what the Great Tribulation is, how long it will last, and the purpose of it. And the purpose is not for us. The purpose is for those that dwell upon the earth. The Great Tribulation is a three-and-a-half-year three year time that is at the latter half. It is the latter half of Daniel's 70th week. Its purpose is to judge the earth dwellers. God, just as he always has, will remove his people prior to judgment falling upon the wicked, and we have seen that there are several passages, Revelation chapter 3 and verse 10, and 2 Thessalonians 2, that teach this, teach this with specificity. It isn't something that we need to guess at. It isn't something that we need to infer, because the Word of God is very clear. It, gives us, it, give, it teaches that with specificity. What a great God we serve. What a great God that we serve, that we do not need to fear. How many times do we read in the Scriptures... Fear ye not. Do not fear. Don't be fearful. Don't be anxious. This is a great comfort for us, that we don't need to be fearful of those things. And God's people that go through that time, that are born again in that time, that come to the understanding of the truth in that time, they're taken care of. Israel is taken care of, a place prepared for her, and all the rest of God's people, because there will be many Gentiles, too, that are saved in that day. Matthew 25, you see, the, you see the separation of the sheep and the goats. Those are Gentiles, not, not nation states, but Gentiles. Those, those non-Jews that were God's people during that time frame, he will put the, put the sheep on the right hand and tell them to inherit the kingdom prepared from before the foundation of the world, the kingdom of their father. They went through the great, they will go through the great tribulation, but they will be given grace for that day. We, should it happen in our lifetime, I do not know. But we will be removed. We will not go through that, that, that great time, that time of God's great wrath. He truly doesn't leave us in the dark. We don't need to be fearful of these things. He's given us a blessed hope. Come to Titus, and I'll close. Titus chapter 2 and verse 13. Looking for that blessed hope. This is our blessed expectation. Hope is not a wish. God has promised certain things, and we expect that God will deliver on those promises. He has never failed one time to deliver on what he has promised to do. That blessed expectation and the glorious appearing of, of, the, great, of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, or our great God and Savior, as it could also be rendered. Our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The appearing what a blessed hope, expectation we have of his appearing. Could be any day. I, I do not know. But we look forward to his appearing. It is a blessed hope that he has given us. May we look, be on the lookout for that day. Let's bow before him. Our Father and our God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for not leaving us in the dark, for not 